So I'm just gonna fucking go for it. Yeah, dude. I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah, go fucking go for it. She's fallen in love with a monster man. She's fallen in love with a monster man. She's fallen in love with a monster man. Welcome to Summer Twilight Book Club. I'm Kat. I'm Sahana. We're just two dumb bitches here to tell you the sweet gospel that is Stephanie Meyer's Twilight. It's it's truly a saga. Yeah, it's literally literally a saga. (laughs) Um, And now let me tell you, normally on this very well put together, expertly crafted podcast, we have a previous chapter's summary that I read to you lovingly off of a Google Doc. We did not do that this time. And here's why. If you listened to last week's episode, you're probably already exhausted by listening to what happened. We don't want to push you through that again. We're really just looking out for you. But I am going to off the cuff real quick, just give you a little dab into it in case, you know, you've never heard of Twilight before. You have no idea what's happening. Um, There is a, a, a young girl named Bella who has very low self-esteem. And terrible ideas of boundaries. Very bad self-preservation and, skills. Yes. Miserable at it. And she met a boy, a very sparkly, shiny boy named Edward, who is a vampire. And they have a super healthy relationship and nothing's wrong with Everything's it. Everything's fantastic. Nothing is worrisome at all. Katie and I didn't spend all of the last episode yelling. Everything's fine. No, I read this book calmly to myself and... uh I feel really good about the whole thing. We definitely don't scream text each other while reading each week. Yeah, so these two lovely teens are dating, if that's what you want to call it. Are they dating? We'll get there. We have some questions about the status of this relationship. And, uh, you know, he is real creepy. And uh, that's really leading to know. That's really here's, here's it. Where we're at. Um, there's some things here and there about some fetishes that Bella Swan may or may not have, but that's you know, car crashes that may or may not excite her. Furries, maybe. It's really hard to say. All you really need to know about both of these people is that they love edging. That's really the most important part of their personality, I think. Yeah, so I know that you now feel very caught up on Stephanie Meyer's version of Twilight. Uh, we barely paraphrase those are the exact words from Stephanie Meyer herself. And now we'd love to tell you what comes next. So we left off in the last chapter with our star-crossed young lovers um, in a meadow doing some weird fucking shit. Um, just stroking each just other. Just stroking each other. So, uh... <laughs> Edward and Bella at the beginning of chapter 14, which is called Mind Over Matter, um, begin their drive home from their day of laying around in a meadow, chastely touching each other and performing what I can only assume are like whispered acapella covers of Linkin Park songs. Um, And so they're in the car and they're listening to the radio and Edward starts discussing his music preferences and he starts complaining about how bad music was in the 60s and 70s. Which, okay, A, just makes him sound even more like an old man, um, and B, is just really the hottest of hot takes, because I don't know how I am supposed to believe that a man who literally sparkles in the sunlight does not like disco. 
How how is this canonically possible? The, like I I'm pretty sure that he's he thinks a, that they were like stealing his thunder. Yeah, like, like maybe like maybe it was too much sequin for him. Maybe that's why he won't go out in the sunlight. Is that his ego is wounded? Um, I don't know. But my favorite part is how he says that the the music in the eighties was bearable, <laughs> as if like. I mean, like, as if uh, Edward was not, like, a hardcore Morrissey fan. Oh, God. As we've already I discussed. Like we've and about also, this like, yeah. can't you? We have. Because can't you just picture that? But also, like, of course he loved the 80s. Like, Edward is sitting there listening to Depeche Mode. Oh, God. And, like, I do you. I want, he has, like, flock of seagulls oh, hair. Oh, like, no. Actually, that's not true. He has Morrissey hair, just a big built up <laughs> on top of his head. Do you think that Edward Cullen was a Madonna fan? Isn't that is that queer vampire <sighs> culture? I think I like to think so. I I, I like to think he he dressed like uh, he had all the like arm warmers, like the lace arm warmers, and like yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, I think he's definitely in like in the background of a Madonna video, canon. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> this conversation about old man Cullen's questionable music tastes leads Bella to finally ask him the question that I know we've all been dying for the answer to. How fucking old is this fossil? Like, how fucking old is he? How old is he? I will tell you how old he is. Edward finally tells us that he was born in Chicago in 1901. To which I have two pertinent reactions. So, first, assuming that this book takes place in or around the year it was written, which is 2005... Edward is 104 fucking years old. Which, like, not even that old. That's still okay, in the human that, lifespan. Let that sink in, though. He is 104 years old. But he just conveniently happened to be turned into a vampire when he was the same age that Bella is now. And somehow that logic makes it okay and not weird for them to be together. See, like, I find it actually, like, more upsetting that he's still in the human lifespan than if he were, like, hundreds of years old. Wait, so you would feel more comfortable if he were, like, physically 104 years old and pursuing a teenage girl? That would make you feel more comfortable? No, I'm saying the opposite. I'm not the opposite. I'm saying it's, like, completely different. I'm saying the fact that he is only 104 makes it weirder to me than if he were, like, 370 (laughs) because... At 370, like, there's no one who's his peer. Like, he cannot possibly find someone who is the same Crazy, age as like, him. There are people but at alive who are in their hundreds or, like, in their 90s. Like, he's not that old. God. He's just, like, her grandpa. Like, oh, boy. he is still in a regular oh, human lifespan, just barely, but he's in there. Oh, and so I'm just like, that to me is weirder because it's like, brah, you have other options. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Okay, the second reaction that I have to this information is that I think, I honestly feel like Edward Cullen canonically being a Chicago fuckboy is the only thing that makes sense about this nightmare novel. Like, Uh. it tracks. I feel like, okay, I've thought about this a lot since I read this. Edward Cullen is the kind of dude who, like, grew up in Oak Park but he hangs out in Lakeview and he tells everybody that he's from Chicago, but he won't take the L. He only takes the Metra. That's who Edward Cullen is. Oh my God. I just, I'm sorry. I'm just still stuck about like the particularities of his youth. Uh, <laughs> one, 
Was I correct about him being from the Gaslight era? Yeah, I think so. you are. I don't really know that much about technological advancements, but I'm pretty sure that, like, gaslighting, like, literal gaslighting is still popular then. <laughs> but also, like, he was born in... Okay, so, like, it was, like, 1918 when he was 17, uh-huh. right? So, like, why is his maturity that of, like, a modern-day 17-year-old? Like, didn't he have more responsibilities? This this is not how emotional maturation works, which is why it doesn't make any fucking sense that even though he's in a 17-year-old's body, he should not be dating a 17-year-old. Because you would But then he has also just been going to high school over and over and over again for, like, 100 years. My constant nightmare. For 80 years. 80 years. Like... And I have to admit, high school teachers are pretty immature for the most part because it's <laughs> hang out with teenagers all day and you go fucking nuts. But no, I mean, it's obviously disgusting that he's dating a 17-year-old, but I'm also, just for the comedy aspect of it, I'm just like, why the fuck are you still? <laughs> like, go hang out. You you had the personality of someone who grew up with a smartphone and this book came out in 2005. <laughs> you not have a smartphone yet. Like, that bitch had a, at best... Not even an LG chocolate. That bitch had a razor flip phone. Yep. Hey, hey, at me next time. Anyways. (laughs) So, okay. This is also where we finally get a little bit more of Edward's Spider-Man origin story. Um, (laughs) Spider-Man. So, we learn that he was dying of the flu. Uh, I just want to take a moment here to say shout out to Modern Medicine. Please vaccinate your children. Um, Edward was dying of the flu. Because uh, his parents were anti-vaxxers. His parents were already dead, which is why Carlisle decided to save him. So, okay, well, it's like, again, like, his parents were dead. <laughs> like, he had this, like, miserable disease. Okay, like, Katie, shouldn't he, I think, shouldn't that have matured him? Like, he has gone through a lot of I trauma. Think maybe, he clearly had to fend for just, himself. Maybe this attachment trauma is what stunted his emotional growth. You know? I got some questions. <laughs> I got some motherfucking questions. Katie's got questions. Okay, so Edward also tells us uh, that vampire metamorphosis is super painful, which is not surprising, but I think also maybe that gives us some insight into all of the masochistic undertones of this relationship. Like, maybe knowing that this entire process is super painful is, like, what makes them both want it. Um... Uh, anyway, so Edward also, so Edward's explaining that Carlisle turned him into a vampire because he was dying of the flu. He didn't really have anything else, like, could have saved him. But he also says that Carlisle acted out of loneliness, which is mm-hmm. fucking, a buddy. it's fucking wild to me. Because let me tell you, Katie, when I am lonely, I watch a whole bunch of Great British Bake Off and I eat an entire bag of Trader Joe's dried mango in one sitting but I guess the turning someone into a sparkly undead marble man is also a fine way to deal with loneliness. I mean, like, okay, one, I, when I'm lonely, go on Twitter and I tech, I tweet at everyone about how much I love them. <laughs> I think that's better. And then also, I mean, like, I was bored the other night. And I decided to rejoin Tinder and start dating cis men willingly. <laughs> which seems like a pretty similar action to what Carlisle yeah, did. Yeah, you know what? By just like, he's like, I'm lonely. I'm just going to create a cis man yeah. to hang out with me. And I'm like, I'm lonely. 
I'm going to go on dates with cis men who will talk to me about Twilight at the bar, which just happened before I started recording this, Whoa. y'all. What up? Um, Anyways. So, basically, all I have to say for Carlisle's dealing with loneliness by Frankensteining um, is that all coping strategies are valid so long as they're functional in context. <laughs> God. Oh, no one else is going to laugh at that joke. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Our demographic is exclusively uh, drunk social workers <laughs> and drunk Annette. So it's Hi, Annette. We love you. Um, Annette is our most lovely listener who, if any of you don't watch an episode, uh, just go to their Twitter. We will put it in the description. Just enjoy the hell out of it. Everyone follow Annette on Twitter for live tweets about this podcast. Um, okay, so <laughs> Edward, uh, he's talking about how Carlisle made him. He explains that not many of us have the restraint necessary to accomplish it. Um, that is, it's extraordinarily <laughs> difficult. I know. Uh, he says, basically what he's saying is that it's extraordinarily difficult to bite someone to turn them into a vampire without ending up just straight up murdering them and drinking all of their blood. Which, once again, leads me to believe that this whole book is just a metaphor for edging. This whole Just like we just, said. It's, it's a fucking edging metaphor. Y'all, if you didn't believe us, we gave you our off-the-cuff uh, history of this book. We weren't we lying. That the it's only all important about thing edging. you need to know was that they're, like, edging. We weren't lying. That's it. It's canonically uh, the basis for this book. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like, considering all of the weird Mormon sex politics that are just infused throughout this entire novel, and I promise we're going to get to that more... Uh, I feel like this fully tracks. Like, it's just an edging metaphor. Uh, okay, okay, so also, as Edward talks about the process of becoming a vampire, slash, like, the development of his family, Bella says that there were many things I needed to think through on this particular issue, things that were only beginning to occur to me. Which, outside of sounding like a fucking robot is also the second time in, like, as many chapters that we get a hint that Bella is already considering having Edward turn her into a fucking vampire. Which is wild, because they've known each other for, like, 15 minutes. I know. And, like, the best part, though, is, like, I'm not convinced that finding out, like, it hurts like hell didn't just make her want it. Oh, absolutely it did. Edward was like, yeah, it was, like, really painful, and I'm never gonna forget it. And Bella was like, bite me, bitch. Although, I do want to say this. Um, important announcement to everyone who's listening. We had a Twitter poll uh, after the last episode. Thank you all for voting. Um, we appreciate your listenership you. and your participation. Uh, we had a Twitter poll about who tops, Edward or Bella. It's- because they're both masochistic as fuck. And we were like, well, one of you has to... Someone like, has to top. Someone has to top. And uh, in a really committed win... Uh, Bella tops. Yeah. Which is the answer I truly felt in my heart. That's fair. So You've all seen Kristen thank Stewart. You. She's definitely a top. Yeah. Oh, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right, folks. Here's where shit gets real fucking wild. So buckle up. Uh, your best friends are about to take you on a wild fucking ride through the Cullen family mythos. Uh, so to prepare you for what this feels like, I feel like you all should hear that when Don, uh, and I, Don is my partner, when Don and I rewatched the first movie about a year ago, at one point I literally had to pause the movie to explain to him 
who everyone was. Like we paused it so that I could just handhold him through this very complicated, slightly ancestral family dynamic. And when I was done explaining it to him, he very sincerely just grabbed my hand and looked me right in the eye and said to me, thank you so much for your emotional labor. So I remember you texting me. It was really good. So that is the shit we're on here. I don't know if y'all are ready. Uh, I'm gonna let Katie field this one. Take it away. Okay. It's pretty long. So I hope you're ready to listen. Buckle up, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, though. Um, so Edward starts by explaining that Carlisle would never, ever turn anybody who had another choice. That is, he only turns people into vampires if they're already on the brink of death. Which... I'm not going to touch that. We're going to move on. <laughs> so Carlisle turned Esme. Esme being Carlisle's, like, wife. Um, pretty soon after he found Edward, uh, she'd fallen from a cliff. Carlisle brought Rosalie to the family after that, uh, essentially hoping that she would be Edward's mate. But Edward was not interested. And that is worth remembering for later on because that comes back. Which, like, you know, like, my grandparents try to set me up with people they know from Lodge. Uh, because, yes, my family is, my family is, my family are Masons. Uh, what? <laughs> Don't get me started. Oh, boy. Uh, but, yeah, so I thought that was pretty weird. But, like, at least they aren't bringing home housemates <laughs> and smushing us together like we're on a reality <laughs> like, TV can show. Can you fucking imagine, like, okay, um, so I know that you were 17 and you were a human, like, a couple months ago. Uh, but now you're a vampire, and also I made another vampire for you. Do you guys want to vampire fuck? That's what the plan is. Is this what the roommates I make on The Sims feel like <laughs> when I keep making them flirt with each other? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're Carlisle. <laughs> Cannon. Oh, boy. Oh, I understand Carlisle so much better now that I realize that. So, anyway, um, Emmett came into the family. Uh, because Rosalie found Emmett mauled by a bear when they were hunting and carried him 100 miles back to Carlisle uh, to have him save Emmett because Rosalie didn't think she could do it herself. And, like, honestly, <laughs> amazing. Like, I did not like Rosalie as a teenager because, like, I had a lot of internalized misogyny. <laughs> yup. Um, <laughs> but that's, like, some fucking tenacity. See, Rosalie's kind of a badass bitch. Yeah, like, I think I understand her a lot better now as an adult. Like, she's the only one who's like, this shit is stupid. Do we get her backstory in this book, or do we get that in New Moon? I don't remember it's at all. a lot. Uh, I actually don't remember that much about oh, it. Like, I remember a little bit about it, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a lot of feelings about yeah, it. Yeah, you are. But it's more of a general feeling than an actual, like, solid, factual memory. Yeah. So we'll, I feel like I, I'm going to experience that with you. I feel like I reread it recently, and it's a lot. But we'll we'll take you there later. We don't mean to jump ahead. Okay, continue. I got some questions about where you where you were rereading I this. I don't remember. Like, Sometimes, listen, Katie, sometimes I just wind up in a really deep twilight hole on the internet, okay? I do, too, because my phone, again, is constantly giving me articles about it. (laughs) Just squirting that twilight content directly into your eyeballs. Okay, that's not... Anyways, we're moving on from that sentence. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Moving on. Um... 
So yeah, so after Rosalie, Alice and Jasper came along, and Alice and Jasper were not turned by Carlisle. They developed a conscience with no outside guidance, as Edward explains. And he insinuates that Jasper came from like some kind of like fucked up murder family, and then it made him sad. <laughs> um, so he wandered off, which is when Alice found him. And Alice, interestingly, and not importantly, I'm sure, has no memories of her human life and doesn't know who created her uh, or why or how they could have walked away after biting her. Uh, because as we've established, it's tremendously difficult not to just straight up drain someone's blood like a human juice box once you've bitten them. Uh, but then we get some inti- insight into uh, the special powers that some vampires hold. Um, so Edward and Alice are the ones with the most like distinct supernatural powers, um, but they all have kind of something theoretically, but most of them kind of sound like half-ass shit. It's like, oh yeah, well like, Esme has superhuman compassion. She's a superhuman She's mom. just like really like, good at being a mom. And like, Carlisle's just real good at, you know, being a doctor and stuff. Yeah, which but... is weird because I don't think he was a doctor before he was a vampire. Anyway, whatever. I don't think it was anything. He was like 23 years old and he lived in like the <laughs> Crusades. Like, we'll was... get there. We'll get there. So Edward and Alice are uh, the ones with the most distinct ones. And Edward theorizes that vampires get their special powers based on parts of their personality, which were really prominent before. And so Edward tries to claim that he was really insightful as a human. Which, which is I, why I he can read minds. I have such a hard time believing that that is true. Yeah, I don't believe it either. So, like, I can only imagine from this, like, the super chill information we know about Bella and how Edward watches Bella sleep. Which, we didn't touch on that, but if you didn't know that, yeah, Edward just, like, watches Bella sleep sometimes. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, oh, boy. But, so, like, I can only imagine... That Edward was like a peeping Tom as a human too. Yeah, like that he's was his not insightful, he's just a voyeur. So I just imagine that Edward just spent a lot of his youth just like staring at people without them knowing, and that's why he can read minds. Um, so Alice's power uh, is that she can see the future. And if you watch Steven Universe, it's kind of like Garnet. Um, so the future can follow a lot of paths, and what Alice sees is all tentative. Um, Edward says that she knew that Jasper was looking for her. When he left his crazy fucked up murder family. And knew to look for the Cullens, which I don't, I don't really understand, like, Jasper was looking for her. I, yeah, I think he was just, like, looking for not his murder family. Like, he was just looking. Like, he was just looking for other vampires, I and then she found him. Yes. I don't know. It's don't not know. I don't, clear. I don't fully get that part. So, um... Edward also says that she's most sensitive to non-humans and knows when other vampires are around, which definitely will never be relevant ever again. Nope. And so Jasper, we learn, has a power that I think is honestly... Okay, I don't know what you think, but I think his power is creepier no, and more invasive than Edward's. it's really fucked up. Like, I... Because... Okay, yeah. Let me explain it real quick to, to the listeners. So, like, he has a power to make people feel what he wants them to. Yeah, like, Edward explains that, like, if everybody's really tense, he can make everyone feel at ease, or he could, like, rouse a crowd to get really excited. Like, it's a, like apparently it has something to do with him being, like, very, like, perceptive and empathetic as a human, 
But this just seems, it makes it seem like he was actually just really manipulative as a human. And now I thought he was just really charismatic. Was he? I thought that's what they said. Whatever. He's fucking, I don't know. I just, I personally, so Edward and Jasper don't seem that close. Which is, I think, a good Edward mentions, yeah, Edward mentions a few times that, like, Jasper is, like, the newest to being a vampire and, and the newest to being vegan and he's not that good at yeah, it. You know, vegan. And, like, <laughs> and that, you know, and they don't seem maybe that close. And I think that's good because I'm personally glad that Edward and Jasper, like, I can't, I cannot think of a more fucked up duo than Edward, I don't know, boundaries, Colin, and Jasper, I can make you feel good, baby girl. Ooh, hail. Oh, God. Like, hanging out, like, I going just, to the I club. I feel like that is just a recipe for coercive sex. Like, between it's the terrible. two of them, they literally, oh, God. Oh, that's awful. Ooh, I hate boy. it. I think about it a lot. It's gross. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so anyway, so that's the backstory that is, about the major one about them. That's the Cullen family mythos, everyone. So this truly thrilling saga um, is interrupted. Edward's explaining this to her, to Bella, and they get interrupted by the fact that Bella's stomach is growling. <laughs> to which Edward's response is, I've never spent much time around anyone who eats food. Which, okay, A- is fucking hilarious that that is his response, and B, is a lie, because he has spent 17 years eating like a normal person. So, I don't understand why he feels the need to posture, like, oh, I don't, I just, I, I'm not used to spending time around people that eat food. Like, what the fuck? Um, I don't know. He literally goes, he sits in the cafeteria, 99% of uh, scenes we have with him are just him sitting in a cafeteria. Right, like, he's around people eating food all the time. Um, Okay. So they finally arrive at Bella's house, um, and Edward opens the door with Bella's hidden spare key, something that she realizes that she has never shown him before, which brings us to what is unequivocally the most iconic and also truly horrifying red flag of the week yet. Edward has been spying on Bella for weeks. For weeks. He tells her that he's been following her home and watching her. And I... Yep, that's what everyone wants to I hear. just want us to pause here so we can really let that sink in. This 104-year-old undead sparkly motherfucker has been following a teenage girl whom he has admitted on several occasions that he is trying really hard not to murder. He's been spying on her for weeks. And we are meant to think of this as romantic and flattering. Like, Bella... Which I definitely did. Yeah, oh, hard same. Like, this got... This was sold to me as romantic, and I bought it. I bought it. And, like, Bella even responds by saying that she can't make herself be mad about it because she's too flattered, which is so fucked up, and I think qualifies as our holy shit Bella go to therapy moment of the week. Oh, yeah. You should not... Here, a quick shout out. To every human who's ever listened to this ever. Stalking. Not cute. Not cute. Not flattering. Not okay behavior. This is real fucked up. Don't do this. Don't condone this behavior. Like, this isn't even like, this isn't even like John Cusack with like a stereo. This is like so much creepy. Nah, this is breaking into her house. So like, and he, uh, Edward is a... 
Edward is, uh, sorry, I'm trying to make some pretty little liar oh, references. God. Right I apologize. I'm gonna stop, oh, but man. I am gonna also imagine Edward watching Pretty Little Liars. Oh boy. So. And I just like, okay, so Edward's response when she shows even like a slight amount of concern about this is so fucking flippant. He literally says, What else is there to do at night? Like, bitch, I don't know. How about anything? <laughs> like, <I> masturbate. <laughs> Uh, watch Gilmore Girls for the 80th time like the rest of us. Listen to ABBA's entire discography. Learn how to like disco. I don't give a fuck. Just yeah. don't um, Go on Reddit. Her. Literally. Go on Reddit. Anything read, else. Um, Post thirst traps on Twitter. It. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Hey, that worked for me. I didn't feel the need yeah. to stalk anybody. Yeah. And like three people text me about it. <laughs> about my thirst trap? Yeah. <laughs> we need to confirm about this later. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, basically, if this was not already bad enough, he then elaborates and gives us more information. And we find out that he has been watching her while she sleeps. Edward motherfucking Cullen, a 104-year-old man has been sneaking in to a teenage girl's room at night when she is asleep without her knowledge, when she is unconscious and vulnerable. And all he has to say for himself is that she's interesting when she sleeps because she talks, I guess. Okay. Okay. And also, judging by how he conveys it, she seems to talk like so much in her sleep. Like, okay, one, I mean, I have slept next to people who talk in their sleep yeah okay one of our best friends is a sleep talker and i would not consider him i don't like it's not interesting it's pretty wild like he talks he says some wild nonsense it's true but that's just it it's wild nonsense right none of it makes any sense okay i have but edward's acting like she's having like full ass like monologue right and i mean she's out there with a soliloquy being like Oh, yes, it is I, Bella Swan. <laughs> I am in love with the Edward Cullen. And, like, okay, I can hardly believe that he isn't just making up the shit that she's Okay, says. and, like, I, like, I feel like he would do that. Um, Oh, he would definitely, he would totally just lie to her and say that, like, oh, uh, you were sleeping last night. Yeah, you said you loved yeah, me. Yeah, isn't that wild? Do you, um, do you, do you, so like, okay, you I me? just, I just want to circle back to the fact that people aren't coherent when they talk in their sleep. Uh, and I have proof because I literally have a note that I keep in my phone of all of the weird things that Don has said to me when he is asleep. And my favorite one is Owen Wilson loves strong materials, which <laughs> is not oh. coherent. And I feel like nothing Bella Swan oh. said in her sleep could have been more coherent than Owen Wilson loves strong materials. And there's nothing there for Edward to comment on. I don't know. He knows he might know. He might know Owen Wilson personally. We don't know Edward's life. Oh Anyways. boy. Okay, I just. Anyways. I mean, I feel like we've really beaten this horse to death here. Like, do we really need to talk about how fucking irresponsible it was for Stephanie Meyer to market this level of boundary crossing, uh, literal stalking, and unhealthy obsession to teenage girls as romantic? Do we need to talk about this again? No. You got it. Good. Great. Okay, so Edward immediately tells Bella not to be upset because that was a little bit of light stalking, right? It's fine. Um, the only it's cute, right? The only reason that Bella's upset about this is because she's worried that she might have said something embarrassing, which 
Okay. Is probably a reasonable thing to be worried about when you're a teenage girl. But what about the part where this literal predator who constantly tells you how much he wants to murder you broke into your room without your knowledge and then watched you fucking sleep? Okay, yeah, like, that's something you're worried about if you know the person sleeping next to you. Like, oh, I'm worried. Everett's gonna sleep over for the first time. I hope I don't say anything embarrassing in my sleep. About Owen Wilson. That's not, that's not, <laughs> I hope I don't tell him about me and Owen Wilson and our really nice burlap sacks we just got. Uh, but that's not the kind of thing you worry about when your boyfriend is secretly watching you sleep. I imagine crouched in the window. Oh, yeah. He's, like, definitely, like, frog perched on the windowsill. You know, like, I I don't remember if the book ever explicitly, like, describes how he is when he's watching her sleep. Because he gets into her house super easily. So, like, he very easily could be in her room the whole time. But I know that when I read this as a teen, I did not picture it as, like, him sneaking into her room and watching her sleep. I pictured it like he opens the window and then he sits like L in Death Note. Oh, yeah. On the ledge, like a little gargoyle and just, like, watches like that. that's absolutely what I'm still picturing. Um, okay good i'm glad we're on the same page uh also apparently she said edward's name in her sleep which is gross uh much preferred that you talk about owen wilson um so thankfully this maybe she was talking about edward norton oh just speaking of people who are in uh wes anderson movies (laughs) yeah you're right it was ed norton um so god edward you're so vague (laughs) talking about you You probably think this dream is about you about you (laughs) oh some carly simon humor um okay so this truly horrifying conversation uh is thankfully interrupted by good dad charlie arriving home um edward swiftly just disappears uh and then bella proceeds to have an unbelievably awkward interaction with her dad while she eats lasagna which she pairs with a glass of milk and i just need to pause here to ask you a cultural competency question so uh katie I'm not Italian, if you need that. No, I don't. This is a white people question. Okay, I am white. Who the fuck drinks milk with lasagna? Is this a white people thing? Like, do y'all drink milk with every meal? Yeah. Um, Okay, well, not once I was, like, a teenager, but, like, growing up, one million percent, because you know we're growing, we're growing boys. <laughs> we gotta drink milk. Do you? Is everything really just uh, that spicy to you? You just have to drink. No, milk? it's just like a thing you drink with stuff. I don't know. We just did. That. I don't like, like milk. Is- I, but like, okay, but could, okay. I even though I drank milk with milk with an e. God uh, damn it! <laughs> Do you know how long the two of us have been having this fight? Oh, for so long. <laughs> Anyways, okay, we're gonna put uh, we we gotta put even, a poll up on Twitter to ask people how to pronounce the word milk. No, I know what's <laughs> wrong and I don't care. Uh, anyways, so even though I know uh, that I drank milk uh, as a teenager with food, I still found this part really fucking weird because I just was like, just the idea of it. I just thought of two things. One, I thought about that part in Miss Congeniality where she's at the bar and uh, Benjamin Brat, Brat, yeah, right, Brat, yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin Brat, Brat uh, uh, of Law and Order with fame. a girl. Yeah, she's he's there with a lady, and uh, he's like, "Oh, uh, can I get you anything?" And Sandra Bullock's like, "Milk, give her milk." <laughs> I think about that, but more importantly and more strongly, I picture. 
uh, Troll Two <laughs> with the guy with the the guy who the actual actor is like from the Insane Asylum. And when you ask when he's interviewed about that movie, he's like, "I wasn't acting. I just really hated that kid." <laughs> I think about that guy in the scene where he is like, "Do you want some milk, kids, or whatever?" Like. I just, that's what I think about. So I just picture her, like, she's going to turn into, uh, they're not trolls. Are they goblins? Nilbog. Nilbog. Yeah, you know. She's going to turn into a fucking goblin. <laughs> and, like, her little brother is going to have to peel over her food. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Troll 2, then this is very weird. If you haven't also, seen Troll like, 2, pause this podcast and go watch Troll 2 and then come back. It's 2018. Grow up. <laughs> Anyways. Oh god. Okay, so after Anyways, but yes, after Bella milk is weird. After Bella explains uh white culture to us all, um, she goes upstairs after dinner and she just throws her window open and starts like whispering Edward's name into the night to try to see if Winking he's out into there. The night. <laughs> um and instead he's just already laying across her bed which rightly scares the shit out of her and she just ignores it like he's already laying on her bed i i love the description too like of the way he's positioned it's like he lay smiling hugely across my bed his hands behind his head, his feet dangling off the end. The picture is like I, I just, I don't know if this is supposed to make him sound cool, but it just makes him seem like a total fucking nerd. Like, also, how small is her bed? Yeah, I, she has like she doesn't even have a twin XL. She just has a twin, like, <laughs> like with like, just, and I imagine with like a lot of stuffed pillows on. Oh him, yeah, his feet are hanging off the end. Yeah, uh, and I just okay. How long has he been waiting? in this position for her and also how many other positions did he try out before this oh like so like i feel i just want to see like a montage of edward cullen nervously pacing around bella's room and like sitting in different sexy positions like oh no fuck okay uh this isn't right what if i just put my hands uh do you think that she would like it okay nope nope that's not sexy enough like he's just fucking walking around the room trying to decide where to sit uh and he sounds like a fucking nerd um yep okay so bella then after being scared shitless because edward's laying across her bed uh she excuses herself for a moment to go freshen up uh which brings us to a minute detail in this chapter that has plagued me for days I have been thinking about this for several days and i know it's stupid but i just i feel like okay listen so Bella says that she grabs her bag of toiletries off her desk. Oh, my God. Yes. And then she walks to the bathroom with them, which begs the question, why aren't they already in her bathroom? Who keeps toothpaste in their bedroom and then takes it with them to their bathroom every time? Like, that is literally what a bathroom cabinet is for. I don't know. Like, it's not like. Am I wrong for thinking this is weird? No, it bothered me so much. I, like. I have, like, a toiletry kit that, like, when I stayed at my ex-boyfriend's house, I would keep in his room and carry with me to the bathroom. Yeah. Even then, my toothbrush was in the bathroom. But also, like, Like, that's not the place that you lived, so you would, like, bring your things with you because you were staying overnight. Like, Bella is acting like she lives in a college dorm room with a bathroom suite that she shares with, like, 27 other people, 
instead of a house that she lives in with her own bathroom that she shares with one middle-aged man. Like, Belle's a fucking I feel weirdo. like at the beginning, though, she was like, oh, I have to share a bathroom now. I'm not used to that. Like, yeah. just Bella's so ignorant of, like, the basic rules of, like, hey, I'm guessing Charlie probably has, like, Barbasol <laughs> and a razor and, like, a bar soap in there. And, and there's probably and plenty it. of space for you to keep your stuff. The toothbrush thing really bothers like, it's me. so Who weird. doesn't keep then again, I had an an old roommate who did not keep her toothbrush in the bathroom because of like some episode of like Bones or Criminal Minds or something. I don't what? know. I don't know. People are fucking weird. Was it Beth? People go. <laughs> no, it wasn't Beth. <laughs> Beth, if you're listening, what up? Uh, it was not Beth though. Okay. Um, um, okay, the other notable thing about this scene is that while she's getting dressed in the bathroom, like, freaking out about having to go hang out with Edward again, she laments the fact that she didn't pack the silk Victoria's Secret pajamas yes. that her mom bought her two birthdays ago. And I will remind yes. you all that Isabella Swan is 17 years old, so I want to know who the fuck buys their 15-year-old daughter silk pajamas from Victoria's Secret as a birthday gift. The same one who dares her to eat dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Bella's mom is fucked up. I can only imagine, though, that they're not even, like, sexy pajamas. Like, they're they're probably a regular pajama set, like, the kind with, like, a button, you know? And they're just silk, though. So she's like, like, oh, but they're sexier because they're silk. Oh, man. I hate this No, that part blew my mind. I was laughing so hard. Also, like, do you think that Victoria's Secret made money because they got name-dropped in Twilight? I don't know if you could tell the difference, because I feel like the kind of people who are already going for Twilight, (laughs) meaning everyone, was also already really heavily advertised to you by Victoria's Secret. That's fair. So I don't know if it's quite the same as, like, Hot Topic (laughs) being saved. (laughs) Fun fact. Okay, uh, so Bella, um, after pulling on whatever awful pajamas she has that aren't her Victoria's Secret pajamas, uh, she walks back into her room, and then she and Edward proceed to, I mean, okay, I don't know if we can consider this cuddling, because essentially they just continue to do that weird, like, dragging my face across your face game that they were playing earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. And in classic teenage boy fashion, Edward is so fucking satisfied with himself that Bella tells him that he's (laughs) driving her crazy, which is to say that she's unbelievably horny. And it's like, dude, honestly, stop giving yourself so much fucking credit because she's a teenage girl. So you could look at her and her panties would get wet. Like, you've done that and they have. It's not you. I promise. Do you think this book is why men are held to such low standards? You know... I don't think it helped, I don't though. Know. Fuck you, Stephanie I, Meyer. I do know that I definitely had much lower standards than a sparkly vampire in high yeah, school, Yeah, I mean... So it's really same. nothing about him. This this book really set the bar low for us, team. Um, so <laughs> as they're doing this weird uh, face squishing, um, Bella notices that it seems easier for Edward to be near her without turning into a tree demon. Um, and Edward says that he just, like, decided that he was strong enough. You know... That's not really all it takes to overcome a mental obstacle. You just d- decide that it's all chill and now it's fine. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Sweet. Great. Um, okay. So then Bella and Edward also attempt to have what could have been in any other situation a productive and transparent conversation about their emotions. But instead, what happens 
is that the way Edward explains relearning how to experience human feelings makes him sound like a robot slowly gaining self-awareness. <laughs> like, he just sounds like he is, like, gaining... Con- it's like if if a smarter child, like, gained a human conscience. Smarter child! Oh! <laughs> Aim shout-out. Yes, right. I love it. Right. Um, okay, what we do learn here, though, is that apparently the emotional catalyst for Edward spying on Bella when she's sleeping, was that he was jealous of her being friends with Mike, which somehow makes this even more horrifying. Oh like, he decided that he wanted to spy on her while she was asleep because he was mad at another boy liked her. Also, the idea that this 104-year-old vampire would be jealous of Mike, the most <laughs> generic human being in the world, like, is wild. And I just, like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude, do what the rest of us do when we get jealous and manically scroll through their Instagram at 2 a.m., accidentally like a picture they took with their ex-girlfriend two years ago, and then frantically unlike it and pray they didn't see it. There's no need for you to sneak into somebody's room. There is no way that Bella does not have a Zanga that oh, can read. Oh, she definitely has a blog spot that she's been writing all of her feelings in. She's got a fucking live journal. Look at Edward has a live journal for Edward sure. for sure has a live journal, and it's just like him... Uh, typing out lyrics from like old like uh songs from the fifties, and, and like incubus. and like sepia photographs. It's incubus. It's, it's all incubus. Um. Okay. Anyways. We cannot leave this chapter without talking about the way that Edward tries to engage with Bella around how horny she is. Yes. And everything out of his mouth. Comes right out of the white fuck boy playbook, y'all. Like, just word for word. Uh, So Bella, at one point, like, they're talking, and he asks her if she's sleepy, and she's like, no, I don't really want to sleep. And when she says that, he literally asks her, what do you want to do then? Like, Edward Cullen, literally, out of his mouth, the ways that fuck boys text. Like, that's just a verbal, and then what? Like, that's what that is. That's what came out of his mouth. This whole part is so yikes. Like, we have to talk about the actual context of their horny God, conversation. God, oh, it's so bad. It's so bonkers. Like, it's fucking bananas. Okay, when I, when I was reading this part, I was just, like, texting Sahana, and I was just like, is this what Mormons are like? Like, what is this? Because <laughs> like Mormon sex, you guys. I, okay, as a teenager, I think I really understood what this part was about. Like, I understood what was happening the whole time. And as an adult, I literally had to, like, I read it, and then I had to stop, and I had to go back and reread it, because I was like, wait, why are they talking about this? Like, I don't understand the context of this conversation, and then I realized it. So, because Bella, she's horny, and she wants to get with him, and so the way she brings this up is she asks Edward about Rosalie and Emma's marriage. And asks if their marriage is similar to human marriage. Now, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, Bella, you've been dating Edward for, like, like literally you started dating him earlier that day. And you ask if you're ever going to get married. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Nah, dude. And I didn't get it. Nah. And then Edward responded. Edward responds with, like, talking about, like, sex. And I was like, I don't understand. Why are you talking about it's that? Because she's trying realized, to bust, dude. But then I realized that it's immediately made clear that Bella isn't asking about marriage. She's asking about sex. She's trying to she get has, that vampire dick. 
But she literally has it inextricably linked to marriage in her mind. And, like, so does Edward. Like, he says that he can't have sex with Bella because she's such... Oh, God. It's just... So he's like, oh, yeah, we can't get married. We can't do that because you're breakable. Right. Like, he literally tells her that it probably won't be possible for them to have sex because he could kill her quite easily simply by accident. And somehow... Bella's still on board, and I just would like to tell Isabella Swan that that is not what murdering that pussy means. It does sound like something that you'd say, like, when you're really trying to posture, you know, be like, I'll fucking break you if we try to have sex. And she's like, fucking break me, dog. Like, <laughs> Murder this like, pussy. Like, she's like, fucking slap me around. Like, ugh, I want it. Anyways. God. But. So they're actually, so you know, the whole time they're saying marriage, it's very obvious they're talking about sex. And so he asks Bella if she's ever done it before. Yeah, you, you know. know. It. <laughs> so Bella says no, that she hasn't been in love. And Ever says uh, that he's happy that she isn't a slut who has sex with people she's not in love with. Which, oh God. Which is not literally what he says. He literally is like, oh, um. I know from listening to people's minds that lust and love are not inextricably right, linked or whatever. Just, but, like, really, he's just like, I'm glad you're not a fucking whore. Okay, also, also like, we have to talk about the way that he asks her this. Because, again, textbook fuckboy. He literally says, have you ever? And then it says that he trails off suggestively, which is literally just the 104-year-old vampire version of, haha, are you a virgin? Like, that's what he's saying. I just... So, uh, so true. But then, after she's like, yeah, I am, he reveals that they have that in common. So, Edward Cullen confirmed for 104-year-old he's, virgin. He's never boned. He's never gotten it in. Uh, and Edward then, okay, so Bella asks Edward if he finds her attractive in that way. And his response is, I may not be human, but I am a man. Which is meant to be reassuring, but means literally nothing. Like, it's a meaningless statement and also somehow heteronormative. Yeah. And then uh, Bella just has to sleep in Edward's cold arms, which somehow is supposed to be comfortable. That's the end of the chapter. Like, that is it. I got so fucking bored reading this chapter, y'all, which is wild. Because I know that when I read this as a teenager, I was living for all of these descriptions of how they made each other all, like, flustered and breathless and horny or whatever. But now as a real adult who understands healthy consensual sexual relationships, this is so fucking boring. I got so bored yeah. reading this chapter. Yeah. So I guess just real quick, uh, last just favorite line of line or quote of this chapter, Sahana. You go first. Okay. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. Mine is really dumb and little, and again, it's just because I'm gay. <laughs> so. So. Charlie asks Bella if there are any, like, boys that she's interested in. And she's like, um, no, there are no boys I'm interested in. (laughs) Which she says, she says that she tells him this in the interest of trying to be as truthful with him as possible. And she thinks that emphasizing boys is what's gonna make it clear. Which, like, one, if she doesn't think of him as a boy anymore, what exactly does she think of him as? Does she mean, like, no, no boys, I only like men? Or does she mean, like, no boys, only inhuman vampires? (laughs) But more importantly, 
to a normal person, this just makes you sound gay. <laughs> it does. It totally just makes like, you sound gay. Kristen Stewart it. was casted correctly. Queerly. Bella is bisexual as fuck. Anyways. Everyone in this book is queer. Canon. Um, okay. Okay. My favorite part of this chapter is the way that Edward describes to Bella how she smells. Like, he's oh, done wow. this before and he does it again and it's so weird. Um, <clears throat> what he says to her is, just because I'm resisting the wine doesn't mean I can't appreciate the bouquet. Which to me... Which, what a weird thing to say to a 17 It's really weird. And also it sounds like he's like, ah, free smells. Like she's a fucking Jimmy John sandwich. <laughs> well, pretty much. Um, to her credit, I will say that this gives Bella one of the most hilarious lines in the book as a response. Because she responds to him with, yeah, it's an off day when I don't get somebody telling me how edible I smell. God, it's fucking wild. Now, if you're still listening, uh, intermission or something, because this has gone on long, but we are going to do chapters 15 and 16 together. But if you need to, like, you know, pause this, take a deep breath, now's your time. Your time is now over. Chapters 15 and 16, labeled the Collins and Carlisle, respectively. So, it's the next day. Because every single day is accounted for in this book. Uh, Bella awakes to find that Edward is still there. And she's somehow surprised by this as if he had just said that he stays every night. Uh, but it's probably because he has a habit of disappearing randomly without warning for long bouts of time. And to have wild mood swings. But like, let's not address any that of that. That is neither here nor um, there, really. So she tells him, I was sure it was a dream. To which he responds... Uh, by serving her a nice cup of medium roast <laughs> by saying, you're not that creative. <laughs> oh, uh, so man. Bella becomes hyper aware of her morning breath and goes off to brush her teeth and splash cool water in her face because she is freaking out. When she gets back, she notices that Edward has changed his hair. Not his hair. Well, yeah, she smooths out his hair and he's like changed his clothes, which like, what? Okay, like, I know that Edward can travel fast. But, like, just how fast that he had time to go home, change, and run back without his hair becoming disheveled? Or does he, like, secretly store clothes, like, in her attic or something? I thought that the implication was that he went home to change overnight while she was sleeping. Like, that's why she gets so upset. Because he, like, he, I think that he, she doesn't notice that his clothes are changed and that his hair is fixed until she comes back from the bathroom. But I'm pretty sure. No, it's in between. I'm 99% positive it's in between her leaving. Really? Okay. Yes. While you search for that, I want to take a moment to talk about how Bella is swiftly becoming really codependent and it's real fucking upsetting. Like, these people know literally nothing about each other and we keep getting reminded over and over that this is her first relationship, but she gets so fucking upset when she finds out that he like briefly left, whether it was while she was in the bathroom or overnight. Um, and like, she's very adamant that she wants him around all of the time. And she tells him that she's always going to want him forever, which maybe, I don't know, is partially just like normal teenage over enthusiasm for your first relationship, but also it's veering into this really upsetting territory very quickly where she's like so mad that he left her. I know. 
It's rough, and it reminds me a lot of, like, my relationship when I was a freshman in college, and you know how bad that was? Yeah. Where it's just, like, every single moment is offensive that you're not there. Yeah. Like, you went to class? How dare you go to class? Like, that's so fucked up. Okay. Also, I looked it up, y'all. I was wrong. It is overnight, okay. when she was deeply asleep, which makes me feel a lot better, because I was like, how fast is he traveling? <laughs> uh. So, okay, so... Have a nice morning chat about what Bella talked about in her sleep that night. Because apparently Bella becomes like a late night radio talk show the second she becomes <laughs> unconscious. Very convenient. Not at all lazy writing. No. And so Ed reveals that Bella said she loves him, which she tells him again out loud. And Ed responds by saying, you are my life now. Which I would like to say is not the appropriate response when someone tells you that they love you. No, the appropriate response is to say thank you and then to leave. <laughs> Take a leaf out of Rory Gilmore's playbook, say thank you, and then run away. Anyways, so this part... He does not tell her that he loves her back. No. Which, I don't, honestly, I can't decide which thing I find more upsetting. The fact that they've known each other for, like, a couple of minutes uh i how long have these people known each other like a few weeks probably at this point um and then like, they have yeah. this really unhealthy codependent relationship and that she tells him that she loves him immediately i don't know if that's more upsetting or if the fact that he doesn't say it back is more upsetting you are my life now is like what i say to tara's house when i turn it on <laughs> like, like, that's what i say to any netflix show I'm you watching. are my life now is what i say to the dumplings that i microwave so like <laughs> like so, anyways, so this next part, I'm just going to read out loud to you because it's so goofy to me. Breakfast time, he said, eventually, casually, uh, to prove, I'm sure, that he remembered all my human frailties. That's an actual part. Like, like Edward has to eat, too. It's not like eating is a human frailty. When Edward doesn't eat, he turns into a mindless monster. When humans don't eat, if Snickers commercials have taught me anything, uh, we turn into Willem Dafoe. So, like, who's really the frail one here? Oh my god, that one has to go on the list. Willem Willem Dafoe is the newest addition to the list of people that I have imagined Edward Cullen as. No, Willem Dafoe as Kristen Stewart. Oh, that Snickers. Oh, that's better. Who do you think is the best commercial? He's playing Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yeah. Who do you think is the best pairing for Willem Dafoe? If Willem Dafoe is Bella Swan, who's our best out of our list of people so far? Brian Cranston. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, I would love to talk to somebody about doing a Twilight reboot with Willem Dafoe uh, and and Brian Cranston. Um, if you have the hookup, anyway. let us know. Yeah. So, anyway. Bella actually cracks a joke. Uh, when he's like breakfast time, she throws her hands up her neck, which like good on you. Bro. I okay, like I actually genuinely do appreciate the subtle character shift of Bella, like finally feeling comfortable enough with Edward to be sarcastic and snarky with him. Um, like there's a moment in the last chapter that I love where he's like really pleased with himself for making her horny, and she says, "Would you like a round of applause?" <laughs> which I think is really great. Um, and then also this moment where she like makes fun of him for wanting to eat her. Which I guess, if you're not going to, like, uh, tab into your self-preservation, you might as well roast him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Edward then carries Bella downstairs because she's so weak or something that she couldn't possibly walk down there herself. Uh, and the talk over breakfast, 
about Bella meeting Edward's family that okay, day. Okay, so I just want to pause here to talk about the way <laughs> that Edward reacts to Bella eating cereal. What? I don't really remember. He, she pours herself some cereal and he, like, makes some comment about how he, like, doesn't understand the food that humans eat. And it's like... He reacts like he's never seen cereal before, and this made me so mad that I literally looked up what year cornflakes were invented. <laughs> cornflakes were invented in 1906. So, Edward Cullen has no fucking excuse for having this weird, like, oh, I don't even understand how humans eat this food. Like, he's just posturing. He's just posturing. Cereal is great. Cereal is an excellent food. Edward can go fuck himself. Five-year-old Edward, you kids and your hip new series. God. So, anyways, so they're talking about going to his family. He suggests to her that day, like, let's go meet my family today. And like, personally, I need at least a week's notice to mentally prepare (laughs) for meeting a regular human family. So Belle's braver than the troops for agreeing to meet a family of vampires with approximately one hour's warning. I would like like, to thank Bella for her service. So Edward also asked Bella if she's going to tell Charlie that they're dating, but he's like really weirdly insistent on it's it. So like Bella weird. asks, yeah, like he's like Bella asks if they are dating, and it's just like so obnoxious. Are you going to tell? Are you going to tell Charlie and your boyfriend or not? Why would you accept my relationship request on Facebook, Bella? Like it's, like, it's so strange. And like Bella's response confuses the fuck out of me, though. And we need to talk about it because she says. When he's like, are, we, are you going to tell him we're dating? She goes, I was under the impression that you were something more, actually. Like, what the like, what is that fuck supposed does to that mean? mean? Like, does she think that now that they said that they love each other, that they're like, I don't know what she thinks. Like, is it? Th- what is more than her boyfriend? Like, at this, does she does think that, that boyfriend doesn't, like, capture the depth of their passion for each other? I'm not going to tell Charlie that we're that you're my boyfriend. I'm going to tell him that you're my soulmate. Actually, I don't believe in labels. Um, I think labels are a really inorganic way to talk about relationships. Um, okay, speaking of labels, though, I could have sworn... But they had this conversation, like, two chapters ago. Didn't, like, I feel like we talked about how they had to, they, like, Jessica being a nosy bitch essentially forced them to have a DTR conversation, right? Okay, I have to quick pause here. Uh, So DTR, I think I mentioned this last time, but I'm not sure. So, like, when I first saw in your notes DTR, I, like, didn't know what it meant. And I had to, like, think about it. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I got it from context eventually. I was like. Define the okay. <laughs> And I got it. But at work the other day, uh, some people were talking about DTR. And my friend Ian, different friend Ian, was like, what is DTR? And then they were like, what? And they were like, how do you not know what this is? Like, what the fuck? You're like 22. And then, Nicole, and then Nicole from high school um, was like, wait, I don't think I know what this is either. Mm-hmm. And I walked over and I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't know until my friend put it on notes for a podcast. <laughs> week. And they were just like, what are you, 70 years old? <laughs> like, oh, man. Um, so, so now that we all know what DTR is, Edward and Bella definitely had a DTR conversation like three chapters ago, which is why I think it's so weird that he's being so fucking pushy about this. Like... I feel like they already had this conversation and now Bella's like, um, you're not my boyfriend. Actually, you're my soulmate and my future husband. Anyways, 
I need you, I need you, I need you to tell everyone what Bella wears. Oh my god, bitch. Listen. Go. Right now. Bella goes upstairs to get ready to meet Edward Cullen's vampire parents. And she chooses to wear, I shit you not, a long khaki skirt. Khaki. This outfit is so aggressively Mormon that I literally laughed aloud for a solid 30 seconds when I read it. And then I put my book down and I immediately texted Katie like, what the fuck? Somehow she thinks that it is appropriate when meeting anyone to be wearing a long khaki skirt. And I don't know how long long is, but I have to imagine considering the person writing this book that it is like ankle length and made of corduroy. Circling back to strong materials, this is a strong material skirt. Owen Wilson would be proud. My favorite part of this is that Edward sees her (laughs) and cannot contain his raging boner. Oh, he's so into like, it. Like he, he says, so he says that she is utterly indecent, and no one should look so tempting. Like what the fuck? She is wearing a long khaki skirt, which joins the infamous brown turtleneck from episode two. What? He does wear beige on beige. He does. They all wear beige. I don't understand, considering they're the palest people alive. But I want to put this long khaki skirt with the infamous episode two brown turtleneck as part of the canon of the wardrobe of sexual frustration. I hate this bitch so much. So he also, because she has like a dark blue shirt on, and he says, I'm very partial to that color with your skin. Weird phrasing. Which is not, which is not like that color's flattering on you. No, very different. And And like literally, my friend Ian... Uh, same friend as the most previous one, my coworker, who started listening to this podcast and was kind of teasing me about it by doing the come hither motion oh, with God, his uh, with his ring finger God. at me. Uh, but I was wearing a shirt, and he goes, "Your eyes look no, your eyes go well with that shirt." <laughs> what? That was the order that he said it in. I'm like, thanks. I, I plucked them out. <laughs> Like, not that my, shirt brings my, out your eyes, but your eyes no, go well with that shirt. Well with that shirt, yeah. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing to say, Ian. Uh, yeah. Shouldn't sound so much like Edward Cullen. Oh, so, boy. Anyways, what happens Edward, next, Katie? Uh, Edward kisses her and Bella passes the fuck <laughs> out. <laughs> I, I honestly don't even know what to say about that. That's just canon. That's just That's what, what happens. happens. And, like, there's really nothing else to say about that. He kisses her, she passes out. But... This is also apparently only the second time that they've kissed. So he stayed in her room the entire night and they didn't kiss again. Despite the fact that they spent like a full four pages talking about how horny they were for each other, they didn't kiss. I I don't believe that shit. Anyways, I'm going to skip ahead a little. Something that Stephanie Meyer, by the way, never treats us to. Yep. Um, so now we're, you know, we're at the Cullen's house. It's a beautiful house deep in the woods. It's a large three-story, 100-year-old painted uh, soft white with a large wraparound deep porch. It's really nice. And inside, it's revealed the entire back wall is made of glass uh, looking out into the river, which is something that I have been jealous of my entire life. Oh, yeah. Ever since I've read this description of this house, I have wanted a house that looked like that. Although, as an adult, I'm like, who cleans those windows? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh. Mm -hmm. I bet it gets really hot. (laughs) I bet it gets really hot around noon. 
Do you think that they paid for or 3 p.m.? 3 p.m.? The, the sun's just beating into yeah, them. Like do you know how hard there. it is to heat... Do you know how hard it is to heat a house with that many windows? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I hate us. We're geriatric. Okay, continue. I'm a geriatric social worker. <laughs> Anyways... That's not a joke. That's just a true thing. Yeah, true. Uh, so anyway, so here Carlisle and Esme are waiting for them in the entrance way, which like I have a lot of questions about because it's not like they called ahead. So they were just like waiting for them. And like, so did Alice tell them that they were coming at that exact time? Because like, or did Edward like run home and yell, hey, I'm bringing a girl over, act natural <laughs> before Bella even agreed? Because they're just waiting. They're standing in the entrance way like fucking Stepford wives, <laughs> like waiting for them. <laughs> and so, like, would they just have been waiting all day if Bella had said no? Just standing in the foyer waiting for her. And to like, show would up. Edward even have let Bella say no? Like, I have questions. Oh, Anyways, God. so Carlisle and Esme do their best human impressions. Um, okay. And I'd like to take a moment to say that they are both described as wearing light colors that, and I quote, match the inside <laughs> of the house. <laughs> the house, by the way, which was described as having white floors and white walls. So one, why do the Cullens keep wearing beige? Why are they all beige? wearing beige all the time? And is Edward so turned on by Belle's long khaki skirt because she looks like he's part of uh his cult? <laughs> And yes. two, who the hell has white floors and white walls? White? And who dresses to match their That's house? really fucking weird. I don't understand. Um, more weird things about Edward's parents. Um, remember how earlier I said that Edward sounded like a robot gaining consciousness? I understand where he gets it from now because the way that Edward's parents greet Bella makes them sound like robots that are just desperately trying to pretend that they're normal humans, but coming up just a, like just a little short, like just a little. Like, okay, Bella walks into the house and Carlisle says to her, you're very welcome, Bella, which sounds like it should be a response to a thank you, but she hasn't said anything to him. And then Ed- no, she's, he's trying to convey that, like, you're welcome here. You're very welcome. Bella. Yeah, but like, it's but weird. It's, so it's weird. a weird phrase. I love you. You are my love. <laughs> Hello, you have a beautiful home. You're very welcome. <laughs> That's me when I, people tell me that I'm cute. <laughs> you're like, people are like, people are like, you look nice today, and I'm like, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you get to look at me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so nice. then Esme says to her, "It's very nice to know you," which sounds like a little threatening i don't know why something is very strange about it i'm just imagining them like lightly sprinkling her with like olive oil and like pepper and like <laughs> like getting ready to just like baste her in the oven oh god okay, Whoo, okay so, boy. So, so pretty quickly alice and jasper enter the room and alice bounds down and kisses bella on the cheek and tells her that she smells good which you know is like half creepy and half gay here for both uh by the way uh, as a bisexual, I I stay in Alice. Yeah. Uh, as do all bisexuals who are listening to this. I already know that for a fact. <laughs> um. Anyways, so Jasper stays away, but puts out the good field vibes, and uh, because no one in this family has a sense of boundaries nope, or acceptable behavior, zero. honestly. God. 
Okay, and then as and then Bella notices there's a grand piano, and uh, and she's all like, "Oh, do you play the piano?" And Esme is like, "No, it's Edward's." She's like, "Oh, like of course Edward would be good at that. Uh, isn't he good at everything?" And like Jasper like snorts and is like, "LOL, my brother's a fucking idiot." And uh, Esme's like, "You haven't been showing off, have you?" And he's like, <laughs> "Not really." And everyone's like, "Oh God, my fucking little brother is so fucking dumb and gross, and this fucking idiot likes him." And I love it. But anyways, so uh, Esme then makes Edward show off by playing the piano, which honestly, Sahana just made me think about. I went to Thanksgiving at Sahana's uh, parents' house, Yeah, so Sahana was not there. No, Katie went and hung out with my family while I was on the other side of the country. I was in and California her- for Thanksgiving, and Katie went and hung out with my parents in my basement in Michigan with all of my aunties and uncles. Yeah, and all of your aunties and uncles kept making the kids <laughs> And by kids, I mean people in college. Yeah. Including me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Katie, I have a video on my phone of Katie doing karaoke in my parents' basement, and I'm going to treasure it forever. Um, yeah. Uh, I, but I, that's what it made me think about. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I understand that. Um, I will say that the other thing that this made me think about, because I can't make it through an entire episode without making a Pride and Prejudice reference, apparently... Uh, is the scene in Pride and Prejudice where Lady Catherine makes um, Lizzie play the piano um, and everyone's really uncomfortable. It's now making me think about that video of you when you're a little kid oh, yeah. and your dad is trying to play the keyboard and he's like, I'll play and you'll sing. And then you're like, no, I will play and you will sing. <laughs> it's good. I was a cute baby, everyone. Um, I'm also Anyways, a cute so adult. Okay, moving Edward on. Edward sits down and he just fucking rips, just rips the it. piano. He's just fucking so good at it. And so he goes into playing a very familiar lullaby that Bella had heard him hum earlier when she was, like, going to sleep. Yeah, he was humming a lullaby in her ear. It was weird. We glossed over it. Yeah, and we find out it is a lullaby inspired by her. Because nothing more delightful and infantilizing than your boyfriend who watches you sleep against your will and who frequently carries you like a baby and who in his head refers to you as a child writing you a lullaby. Super chill, not at all weird. Also, I think that it's important for us to take a moment to acknowledge that this book really gave all of us an unrealistic expectation of what it's like when a teenage boy writes a song for you. Like No concertos on my part. I think that we all got fed, or at least I will speak for myself, this book and other pieces of media fed me a narrative that all of the songs that teenage boys would write for me were going to be beautiful and moving and like well-composed classical pieces, when in reality what you get is like generally angsty bullshit that's recorded on GarageBand with lyrics that rhyme rain and pain over and over and over again. Do you know what gave us realistic expectations though? Hmm. Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anyways. Uh, Edward is better than Archie, at least in that respect. Oh, I don't know about that. Not that that. that's saying a lot. Bar's not not very high. Bar's not high. So, once he stops playing, Bella realizes that everyone else has left him, which is really funny. (laughs) Honestly, I don't have anything else to say about that. It's just super funny. (laughs) So Edward says they're probably trying to get them some privacy, which is funny because I've never known parents to do that. No. Um, and that Esme is just so fucking jazzed that Edward is showing sexual interest, which like, come on, Esme, chill out. Like, what if Edward is ace? Like, so what? 
Um, also, I find it really weird that Esme is, like, his mom, even though Edward was, one, created first, two, I don't think she's that much older than I him, if she, so like, either. even is older, and I find that whole dynamic really like, confusing, but we can touch on that. much. We can talk about that later. But, and that she's just, like, so into, she's so invested in him, and, like, him finding someone to be sexual I with. feel but like, anyway. okay, I feel like, um... You know that line in that Nicki Minaj song where uh, Lil Wayne says about Nicki, whoever hit it ain't hitting it right because she act like she need dick in her life. I feel like maybe... Are you trying to say Carlisle's not hitting it right? No, I'm trying to say that I think that Edward's been really, really annoying and Esme's like, I wonder if he got laid if he would stop being such a prick. That's me and a lot of people. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe she's so enthusiastic about him so showing sexual interest in somebody because she's like, maybe he'll finally stop being such an asshole and leave everyone alone. He's been edging maybe. himself for 104 years. He just needs to come. <laughs> so the rest of us stop having to deal with him. Wait, maybe that's how Edward gets her pregnant because he's just had like <laughs> left of her come from when he last masturbated as a human. In 1906. <laughs> 16 and it somehow has been preserved <laughs> inside him and he's just been edging himself so long without coming that when he finally comes and bellow later like that little bit that's left over gets like washed spoilers. up spoilers these are all spoilers <laughs> <laughs> anyways oh boy. so after he finishes playing uh Edward tells her that he's going to be more overbearing and protective than normal. Which, if this isn't already Edward, it is most overbearing and protective. I'm fucking shook, y'all. Like, Jesus Christ. Apparently, he tells her, there are some non-vegan vampires (laughs) coming to town soon. And despite the fact that Edward says they probably won't go into town, he still thinks that the best way to keep Bella safe is to keep her by his side at all times. logic. He just thought the vampires are going to be around him. And, like, this logic feels a lot like Oedipus <laughs> being like, I will I will not fuck my mom. I will, however, fuck this other nice <laughs> other lady. Seems about correct. Yes, I agree. Like, that's the kind of stellar logic yeah, that I, he has. Edward's doing a great job. You're doing great. Things. We are at war with these people, but we will accept their beautifully large gifts. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Edward gives Bella a tour of the house afterwards, uh, kind of, and they come across this giant cross. Really casual. Like, LOL. LOL. Dark wood cross. And so this leads us into getting a lot of backstory about Carlisle. Um, and it makes no sense that the chapters are broken up, so we're just going to chapter 16, almost. Um, because the chapter ends with Edward talking about Carlisle, and the next chapter is just Edward talking about Carlisle. Like, it makes no sense. Like, I don't know why you do these things, Stephanie Meyer, but... Narrative structure uh, is useless. There's like, yeah, but there's like a bunch of information about Carlisle, which is actually fairly interesting. Yeah, so, so I, I, mean, I will just summarize this for us really quickly. Um, here are the most important parts of Carlisle's backstory. Um, he's 367 years old, uh, but he was 23 when he was turned. <laughs> so Ish. 20, he, was, he was 23 years old. Um, cool. He was born in London in the 1600s. His dad was an Anglican pastor who led witch hunts. Uh, When he died, Carlisle took over and he found actual vampires. Um, So he led a mob to the vampires. 
overachiever, honestly. Honestly, like, you could have just burned people that weren't vampires. You had to go and find the real ones. Who needs that? You didn't have any political rivals? Yeah, for real. Uh, So he led a mob to the real vampires who crawled out of the sewer. One of them attacked him. Uh, Carlisle almost died, but he managed to get away. And this brings me to my two favorite parts of Carlisle's story. Um, I don't know which one I love more. The fact that apparently vampires canonically speak Latin. Or the fact that Carlisle apparently survived a vampire attack by burying himself in a pile of rotting potatoes. (laughs) Edward very matter-of-factly tells us that that is how Carlisle survives. And I mean, honestly, I get it. Because if you're me or Katie... And you've ever cried in the parking lot of a McDonald's at 3 a.m. after you order seven hash browns. You also know that potatoes save lives. Do you remember that time? Do you remember that time that we were hanging out and my mom called me to ask me why I had bought seven hash I d- browns? I do remember that because the receipt that we left in the cup holder indicated that we had purchased seven hash browns at approximately 2.30 in the morning. Which is in what our defense. In our defense, it was after uh, the last Harry Potter movie. The last Harry Potter movie. I couldn't remember if it was the second to last or the oh, last. Oh, it was movie. the last one. You know, it was after that. We needed the hash browns. But my mom thought I ordered all seven by myself. And I don't know if she was trying to figure out if I was high or just binge eating. <laughs> and. <laughs> Nope, there were three of us, and we were sitting in an empty McDonald's parking lot eating hash browns and crying to Nick Cave. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, potatoes saved lives. As you can tell, we relate to Edward a lot. Uh, So Carlisle apparently, after this um, potato incident, tried and failed to destroy himself when he realized that he was a vampire um, because he didn't want to eat people. He, like, it, like, fucked up his conscience. Um, but then he realized... And because he had a lot of, like, religious guilt. Yeah, Catholic guilt is really strong with Carlisle. Anglican guilt, I'm he's sorry. He's not Catholic. I'm so sorry, he's, he's Anglican. specifically not Catholic. Yeah, you're, you're right, actually. Uh, I'm so sorry. He talks sorry. about how the, ca- how the Catholics were getting more popular and his dad was, like, raving about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my sincerest apologies. Um, so, yeah, so he decided that he was just gonna eat animals instead. Because he was like, oh, um... There was a deer nearby, and I ate the deer, and then I was like, well, I ate venison when I was a human, so what's the difference? I guess I'll just eat animals. Great. Um, apparently, he got bored of just, like, wandering around in the woods and eating animals, so he was like, huh, I might just fuck around and swim to France. Uh, and then he fucked swam around. To France. He swam to France. Uh, and then he just fucked around for 200 years, cycling through, I guess, a bunch of different, like, PhD and MDs, which sounds like hell on earth. Like, just, like, going through PhD programs forever and ever sounds like purgatory. Um, well, they don't totally talk what he does in those 200 years other than perfect not eating people. Like, d- nothing. He, like, Anyways. doesn't eat people and he gets a bunch of PhDs. Uh, and then I guess he goes to Italy and he meets some civilized vampires. And honestly, I think that civilized is just code for white, but that's neither here nor there. Um... Uh, and i say that because also edward rich because the other ones were poor well i also i i also think that it's code for white because at one point edward specifically describes vampires that eat humans as savages uh and we all know that that's some fucking coded language so i think he also talks about uh like the werewolves kind of as like savages yeah it's not great um yeah so it talks about how he says that carlisle went to italy he met some civilized vampires in italy 
But they still ate humans, and Carlyle wasn't down with that, so he left. Um, and those vampires are totally unimportant, and we'll definitely never hear about them ever again. Um, so then we get to the part where Carlyle saved Edward during the Spanish flu pandemic because he was bored and lonely. So I guess this is like a Frankenstein situation. Um, and that's pretty much that's yeah. all we get about Carlyle, I think. Yeah, so then after Carlyle's backstory... Uh, Bella asks Edward if he has always saved Carlisle, and Edward feels that as a rebellious bad boy, he did run off at some point, uh, and ate humans for a bit. Uh, but, like, only bad humans. (laughs) Because he he can hear their thoughts, so he's like, he would only save girls in alleyways from men trying to hurt her, which, like, oh my god, I have so- (laughs) For one, it's pretty familiar, like- Definitely didn't happen, like, three chapters ago. Uh, but Bella does know something that I was also thinking uh, in her head, which she's like, I wonder if the people that he was saving were, like, more, were, like, felt better or were, like, more horrified by his intervention. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't really bring you that much, like, security to have another man show up and commit an act of violence. So, like, men have no self-awareness of the impact of the presence, etc., etc. No one's surprised. So Edward shows Bella his room. Oh my god. And dear lord, is it pretentious and weird. It has gold carpet. Gold. And darker darker gold fabric on the walls. A black couch and a wall of CDs. Like, what the fuck? I find this hilarious and like... I have a few things I have to talk about real quick. I know this is getting long, y'all, but you're in it. I told you to take a break, and if you didn't, it's your fault. So, one. Shouldn't Edward, like, at least be into vinyl? (laughs) As someone who, like, grew up in the era of vinyl, you would think that he has, like, a pretty robust collection of records. Just CDs. He really likes to stay with the times. Okay. But another part I need to talk about a lot more is... Are we going to talk about the way his room is decorated? Because Jesus Christ. Not just his room. Stephanie Meyer's sensibilities for interior decorating are wild to me. Because in every room she has shown so far, the floorboards, like the floor Mm, and the walls are the same color. They match. That's not... every room... It's like white walls, white floor, gold floor, gold walls. Like, and also his, it, they're not just painted gold. They have like fabric on them. He has dark gold fabric hanging on the walls. Like, are they tapestries? Did he like hang curtains? No, she says it's for the, she says it's for the acoustics. Oh my God. Sure. The acoustics for when he plays his CD collection. <laughs> For when he's listening to Incubus alone in his room. Oh, my God. Oh, do you think that Edward, like, stands in his room with the lights off, lip syncing to My Chemical Romance songs? <laughs> That's definitely what's happening. Um, okay, anyway. so Edward tells Bella that he's relieved that he finally told her that he doesn't need to breathe, I guess, uh, because he's been really worried that she's going to get super scared and run off. Um, And Bella tells Edward that she doesn't find him scary, which is upsetting to me because if you met him, um, acknowledges to herself that it's a lie, 
Because, like, you know that he freaks you the fuck out. You talk about it all the time. Just trust your fucking gut, Bella. Um, however, Edward's response to Bella, like, sort of teasing him about not being scary, is to fucking tackle her. Like, he gets into, like, a predator crouch. And I think the word that they use is pounce. Like, he pounces on her. Like a jungle cat. Yeah. He knocks her into the couch as though he needs to prove to her that he's scary because apparently constantly talking about how hard it is for him not to eat her isn't enough. But he also, it also mentions that he like has her held in like an iron cage of his arms so she won't get, so she won't get jostled or hurt. It's so fucking weird. I don't know. Um, yeah. And then afterwards, he like curls her up into a ball like she's human (laughs) Play-Doh. (laughs) <laughs> until she admits that he's very very scary and then oh yeah okay and then uh there's a knock at the door and Bella's like can I get up and Edward does not let her up he just like forces her into sitting on his lap Ew. well inviting whoever's at the door in and she like is all flushed and embarrassed but he's like at ease or whatever and so Alice and Jasper walk in and Alice super casually says that it sounded like Edward was having Bella for lunch and she wanted to see if they could join in. What the fuck? Because who doesn't love sincere jokes about murdering their friends? Also, I feel like in any other context, it would sound like Alice was inviting herself to a threesome. Yeah, very true. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, so the real reason that they came in is because she's revealing to them that there's going to be a storm in town. So it's baseball time, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, baseball. And are you in, Edward? And of course he is, because any chance to show off in front of his girlfriend, and that is where the chapter ends. That's it, y'all. That's the end of the chapter. They're going to go play baseball. Um, One point I think that we didn't touch on that I would briefly like us to talk about is the fact that we learn when we find out that um, Carlisle swam to France, uh, that apparently vampires don't need to breathe. Yes. Which I had asked you about earlier, if, like, they needed to breathe or not because when he was running and she mentioned his breathing i was like why is he breathing right okay my question about this is why the fuck if he doesn't need to breathe why has he been blowing sexy breath at her we talked about sexy breath doesn't he say that it's like uncomfortable not to breathe or something i thought i don't know does he say that i don't remember him saying that. yeah he does he says it but he says it like it's habit yeah okay but also if he does not have to breathe That means that he's been using... Okay, so in the last chapter, he talks about how his, like, sweet-smelling sexy breath is a predatory mechanism. Like, it's meant to attract prey. And if he doesn't have to breathe, then that means that he has been choosing to blow sexy breath at Bella. So he's literally trying to trap her. That is true. Um, I think that there is a part, though, that, um... I know that we texted each other about. Oh, God. That we definitely needed to Oh, yeah. About. And I think it's great that you're bringing this up because this is unequivocally my favorite part of this whole chapter. Like, no contact. Also for, hands down. I'm looking it up real quick about the the breathing part. Oh, it's actually right after Chuckle Darkly. He chuckled darkly and finished the sentence because technically we don't need to breathe. And she's like, you? And he's like, no, no, no. You promised. Um... Uh, he says it's just habit 
And she's like, how long can you go without breathing? And he says, indefinitely, I suppose. I don't know. It gets a bit uncomfortable being without a sense of smell. So, like, if his whole problem around her is that he smells how tasty she is. Just stop fucking breathing. Is, then just, like, hold your breath, dude. Act like you're going into a dive bar bathroom and hold your breath. We've all done it. We've all been to the eight ball. <laughs> yes, I have. Recently. Anyways. Oh, man. Real. Okay. Okay. So. Anyway. I'm just okay, going to read. Back to the part. I'm just gonna, the most important part. I'm just going to read this out loud. I feel like there's no way to Thank get you. around it without reading it out loud. So here we go. Good. He touched the corner of my eye, trapping the one I missed. The one is tear. He lifted his finger, examining the drop of moisture broodingly. Then, so quickly I couldn't be positive that he really did, he put his finger to his mouth to taste it. He... Taste my sadness, Michael. (laughs) He... He... Ate her tear. He ate it. He ate it right off of her face. Like, Stephanie Meyer chose to include that part. What is this supposed to convey? What emotion am I supposed to be feeling? I don't know. Like, is this supposed to be, like, sweet and endearing? Is it supposed to be sexy? Like, I don't fucking know. This moment is so... Is it supposed to be frightening? Is it supposed to be, like, he wants to eat me? Like, he... Have you ever... I have never in my life placed someone's tear from their face into my mouth. I definitely have, but not like that. Like, what? More like, like, no, like you're wiping tears off someone's face and then your hand is wet and you're just kind of like, I don't know. But you didn't, you've never intentionally, like, put someone's tear in your mouth. I might have, honestly, jokingly. Oh, boy. But I didn't do it as, like, a sexy thing <laughs> and I didn't do it secretly. What were you I trying was- to convey? Probably we were like joking, and I probably was like, "I'm gonna taste your sadness, Michael." Yeah, okay. like I probably was, I probably was quoting Arrested Development. <laughs> That's the only in an context to the in mood. which that is appropriate. Um, like this moment is just wildly absurd, and I am at a total. So weird, I'm though. at such a loss for what I'm supposed to feel. Like I don't, I don't know because it took such care to mention it. Yeah, like there's it's a whole. She takes time to explain that this is happening. Oh, boy. What's your favorite part of this chapter, Katie? Okay, it's not my favorite part, but it is something that at first I was like, that's so weird. And then, like, three seconds after I thought about how it was weird, I thought about how someone inevitably listening to the podcast would be like, bitch, that sounds like you. (laughs) You being me, Kat. Anyways, um, so it says on page 318 for our listeners who are diligently reading along. Thank you for um, doing that. We're so sorry. He walked slowly around the table and pausing a few feet away, he reached out to touch his fingertips to my cheek. His expression was unfathomable. And at first I was like, what the fuck? Who just like reaches out and touches your face with just their fingertips? Oh, you do that all the time. And then I realized immediately afterwards that, like, I probably go up to my coworkers like, 18 times a day and just, like, touch their face with my fingertips and just like, hey, what's up? How are you? <laughs> but at least my expression is obvious. It's like, hi, I'm here because I like you. What's oh, up? Man. It's not, like, unfathomable fingertip touch from a few feet away. Like, he's really stretching his arm. He really is far away and reaching out to touch her. Um... That brings us to the end of this section, my friends. 
Um, yeah. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We know it's been so a dense next, one. Yeah. Drink some water. Take care of yourselves. Um, and get ready, because next week we have The Game, The Hunt, Goodbyes, and Impatience. I'm really excited to talk about vampire baseball, everybody. I don't know if y'all are prepared. Anyway, great. So um, I think follow us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, follow us on Twitter. We are at STBC Podcast. You got it right. I'm so proud of you. Um, if you've been listening, I wrote it down. so proud of you for being prepared. Um, if you have been listening to us on iTunes, thank you so much. Please subscribe, leave us a review, give us that five star rating because you love us so much. Um, yes, because we are officially on iTunes. We're not just assuming we're going to be. Oh, like last time we actually are there. We've done it. Sure. Okay. Um, Katie, my parting question for you is now that we know that vampires get their powers from their personality traits uh, as humans, what would our vampire powers be? Ooh, I would be superhuman at getting people to bring me McDoubles. I think that's really good. Yeah, I think you, like Jasper, could influence people, but specifically to get them to bring you McDoubles. Actually, I don't eat McDoubles really anymore, so just just McDonald's hash browns. Oh, that's really good. That's a good superpower. And Taco King. I think that my superpower would be that I would be able to produce receipts for any argument. Ooh, yes. Have you seen my screenshot? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quick warning, don't say anything to Sahana and I if you don't want, one, the other one to know it, and two, us to have a fucking folder of uh, it, like, fucking engraved and something. I will save it forever. I keep receipts. I learned from my dad. He taught me how to be petty. Thank you all for listening. We love you so much. Uh, Tweet us if you love us. Tell us what your vampire power is. We'll be back next week. Bye! Bye!